What is up, everyone? We are back once again with another episode of Puckin' Around. As always, I am your host, Noah Dog Dibler, resident Pins fan here at the Rebian Preview Sports Network, joined by my good buddy and co-host, Gar Charger Patrick, repping his Tampa Bay Lightning. As always, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, I'm fired up as always to get on here, talk some hockey tonight, a lot going down, major trades going down, uh, deadline approaching ever so fastly. Uh, like I said before, we hopped on real quick. Not exactly the uh, the most excited I've been for my Tampa Bay Lightning, particularly before we got on the show. Kind of a rough patch for them over the past week, but uh, overall, mm-hmm. really excited to be on here tonight, man. Well, you know, Garth, it could always be worse. You could be a, a Midsburg Penguins fan, uh, like I am. An absolutely horrific week. Uh, lost two games to Islanders. Uh, one of them, they had a four-two lead. Lost five-four. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's not been a good week at all. Let's just say there's a lot of pressure in that wild card race now. But we we'll get that get to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but as always, we are fired up to be here with the good old woo Ric Flair woo baby um, and our good buddy and one of our biggest fans, Ray Leo, coming in saying, "Boys, how are we tonight? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good." Although Ray. I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty mad at you, boy. I'm, your boys put a beat on us the other night. Jack Hughes had like three points. Yep, um, yeah, no, he he he's a stud, dude. He's absolute animal. Uh, <laughs> got injured, comes back. It's like nothing ever even happened at all. But uh, we're mainly gonna focus on some Eastern Conference teams. Uh, we got some major trades that went down in the Eastern Conference this week. We're also gonna talk about two more teams. Uh, coincidentally, both are in the Atlantic Division that we want to kind of break down where they are at. Can they make the playoffs? Are they going to be buyers at the trade deadline? So, Garth, we'll start it right off with our good buddy, Mickey Mouse Bradley's Buffalo Sabres, who, you know, kind of flown under the radar this year. We kind of expect them at some point to just, you know, fall off a cliff, basically. But 28-22-4 record. They're still fifth in the Atlantic uh, four points behind the Panthers for the second wild card spot. Now, this is what is crazy to me, Garth. I don't even know how this happened. The Sabres have six games in hand on the Florida Panthers, who do hold at least currently that second wild card spot. Pittsburgh is one point behind them with games in hand as well. They also have six in hand on the Islanders, who currently hold the first wild card spot. So, you know, looking at a team like the Sabres, Garth, their destiny is in their own hands, basically. If they just win their games in hand, They'll be in a pretty good position, you know, pretty secure in that wild card race. Uh, other teams to keep an eye out for. Uh, Washington is a team that's just kind of desperately clinging on. They are, I think they're three points back of the Islanders or something like that with two games in hand, if I remember correctly. They're kind of clinging on. Unfortunately, you know, the Ovechkin thing with his dad passing away, that really hurts their team if he's going to be out for a long time. But, Gart, going back to the Sabres, this is something I personally never expect. I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. They've still been competitive. And this is, you know, getting deep in the season. We're only a week and a half pretty much away from the trade deadline. And the thing I always question with the Sabres guard, they can put the puck in the net, but we all know when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about defense and goaltending. So if you were the Sabres GM, in your opinion, what would you be most looking to target at the trade deadline for the Sabres to improve? defenseman, preferably somebody uh, more on the experience side of things because they've got a lot of uh, youth on that back end, a lack of playoff experience, honestly, across the board, but especially in the defensive core. Uh, obviously, guys like Darlene, great player, hasn't been to the playoffs yet. 
Uh, Owen Powers as well, same thing. Great young player, has not been in the playoffs yet. And we know come playoffs, it's just a completely different beast because, you know, I feel like time and time again, I find myself going back to my Tampa Bay Lightning, but how many times have we seen them, you know, kind of quietly come into playoffs? Like, yes, they're contenders, but not really like a crazy regular season record. They're not up there in points. I think last year they came in at like six overall in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and they go on a deep run and almost win a cup or maybe even win one. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so definitely a top six defenseman, preferably a veteran guy with some playoff experience. You know, don't really need them to do anything crazy offensively. You just need that veteran presence, that leadership, and prepare them uh, for what playoffs is like. Because, quite frankly, if I'm the GM, uh, I want to get into playoffs because if you just find a way to get in there, anything's possible. Uh, and other than that, definitely a goaltender. I don't know who they're going to be able to target. Obviously, uh, Hellebuck, if they want to deal him, would be absolutely massive. Uh, but they got to get somebody, you know, because if they make no moves on that side, I just – I don't – even if they make playoffs, I don't see them winning, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense is elite. You know, they can really score. They put a lot of pucks in net. Offense is not a question mark. You know, if they can upgrade that position, you know, that's great. But definitely uh, defensive core goaltending. And also, Noah, real quick, a little bit of a trivia. Saw this earlier in the day. Do you happen to know which player in the active player in the NHL has the most games played without a playoff appearance? That's a tough question. I'm going to have to think about that one for a minute. Real quick, um, oh, I forgot, I can't. Noah, could you put up that comment that Ray just uh, commented? Because that's a really good point. I always forget about this guy because, unfortunately, he is a great goalie who has been uh, not 100% and stuck on the absolutely abysmal franchise. But that would be huge because, like I said, they don't really uh, they don't really mm-hmm. need them to play right away. Definitely yeah. need to go for postseason play, though. <sighs> God, that that is, uh, oh my God! I, I'm trying to think. I assume since you're bringing it up now, it's like a, a Sabers player. So it, it is, and honestly, with if you were to have absolutely no kind of hints, no, not know what team they played on, I don't think it's a name that anybody would ever be able to guess off the top of their oh. head. Oh, is it Jeff Skinner? It sure is. 800 games played, no playoff appearance. Jeez. That was a tough one to think about because, you know, he was on the Hurricanes for so long, but he was there when the Hurricanes were terrible. I mean, he's like, I think, the number two pick in the draft. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with Ray. I do really like Demko. Unfortunately, like Gord said, he ha- he has been injured this year, but, you know, he's still relatively young. I mean, he's not a prospect anymore, but, you know, still roughly mid-20s. And he's been pretty good. Um, on some pretty terrible teams, quite honestly. He's, show, he's shown what he's made of. Um, Ray saying that the uh, Penguins could have put their foot on the Islanders' throws this week. Yeah, but that would uh, require Pittsburgh to actually have a spine, which uh, they do not. Uh, imagine Timo Meyer on his wing. Yeah, man, that that would be insane. Yeah, that'd be insane. And it, is already insane. Palat is back, by the way. Yeah. Well. Absolutely. Uh, Sabres are going to be a wild card at the deadline, too. I agree. If they just win their games in hand, they got so many. Um, imagine if they still had Allmark. Well, here's the thing I say to that, Ray. Um, I remind Mikey about that all the time. I love to kind of little uh, nudge him. With wind him up. 
The one thing I would say about that is, would Olmarks be the same player if he stayed right. in Buffalo, or was the fact he went to Boston, which, I mean, we all know that they've had guys like Tim Thomas. Tuka Rask was an animal. I, they just had great goaltending as long as I can remember. So I wonder if that had a, a part to do in his development. But you never know. I And, and I agree with your point, Garth. I think the thing with the Sabres is, you know, Annette, they've kind of had this, you know, three-headed tandem of rotating guys. They've gone with Eric Comrie, uh, Yuka Pekka-Lukanen, and sometimes even 49-year-old Craig Anderson is getting in the mix. But these aren't guys you want heading into the playoff, you know, race to try and carry you, right? You want a guy that has more experience. You mentioned Hellbook. I personally don't think the Jets will trade him. I mean, did you see what he did against the Rangers last night? That guy's still playing at an incredibly high level. But, you know, maybe that can go out, maybe get, you know, a solid veteran backup or, you know, just a decent starter on a crap rebuilding team that wants to trade him to help, you know, make him a little better. And I think if Ray is right, if Demko wasn't injured, that'd be a good shout. But the good thing that works out for the Sabres guard, they got their cap friendly up right here. 18.2 million in projected cap space. This is a team that has plenty of flexibility to move pieces at the deadline. Another guy that, you know, we talked about them in the past being linked to is Patrick Kane. You know, he's a, he's a Buffalo native and whatnot. Obviously he's on the block because uh, the Blackhawks are an absolute disaster. Uh, whether or not they'll pull the trigger on that, I don't know. Clearly this is a team that has plenty of, you know, prospects, uh, draft capital and whatnot. So they can make a move if they want to. And I think they will. I don't think they're a team that can just rest on their laurels where they are at right now. Because you have to remember, they're still not in a playoff position. They might be if they win their games in hand. But I don't think they can get complacent, Garth. I need to, I think they need to make some moves uh, to continue to strengthen, especially because the Atlantic, especially the top three teams, uh, is just absolutely ridiculous. Thoughts on the Rangers trade uh, for Tyler Mott uh, send Julian Gauthier to Ottawa. We're going to get into that a little bit later, John. We have a specific segment for trades. But um, and uh, we also get into Ryan O'Reilly a little bit later. It was a three-team trade. You're right, John. That that was a crazy one. Uh, but moving on to our next team guard, same division. Our good buddy uh, Jacob Winner's team. Actually, we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know about you, guard. This is kind of a team that you know I thought for the longest time was just eventually going to fall off a cliff, and we kind of haven't talked about them in, in in a very long time. But they're still not out of it. They're still, you know, six in the Atlantic Division, but they have, I believe, the same amount of points as the Sabres, just when extra game played. Obviously, that also means they have those massive games in hand on teams I mentioned earlier, like uh, the Panthers and the Islanders. And they still have the advantage, I'd say, over teams like the Capitals. They are just kind of desperately trying to play catch up. Uh, the main, you know, n news for the Red Wings lately has been, you know, the whole Dylan Larkin contract you know fiasco which you know i think we both agreed we talked about last week they'll eventually you know get that sorted out he's, he's a big piece he, he's still relatively young he's their captain as well but when i look at their their stats guard this is kind of surprising for the fact they have a winning record uh they're 23rd in goals scored 18th in goals against they have a negative goal differential at negative seven um their penalty kill is okay 78 percent their power play is pretty solid 21.6 percent so, I don't know what to think of the Wings guard. Do you think they they could potentially do something? I mean, their division definitely doesn't help them. But like like I said, they have those games in hand as well. And, you know, teams like Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders or whatever, these aren't exactly teams that they're competing for for the wild card that fill me with a lot of confidence. So, I think they have a decent shot. I just don't know. I mean, the Atlantic's so tough. What do you, what are your, what's your read on the Red Wings this year? Um. 
I think that there there's a road there for them to to make it into the playoffs because, like you mentioned, they are sitting there tied with the Sabers. Uh, the only difference for me between them and the Sabers is the fact that you know, like you said, they're a really weird team. They don't really do anything well. You know, they're not like a top goal scoring team in the league. They're not a top defensive unit. I will say huge shout out to. Uh, Vale Huso because he's been great this year, uh, especially given yep. the circumstances. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of games where that dude has probably been one of the only reasons that they're even in the game or end up winning it. Um, I do know, looking into it uh, earlier this week, actually, that um, you know a, a lot of people were talking about Bertuzzi being a potential trade deadline target, especially yep. for my Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Stevie Y came out and kind of shut that down and said that they're not looking to deal him because they do feel that they are very much in the mix for a wild card spot making playoffs. So obviously the belief is there as a team and it looks like they're not going to be too willing to deal guys out, um, which gives me even more the reason why they're going to try and lock down Larkin. Um, mm-hmm. they, they might even be active at the trade deadline and try and make a move to help bolster this team, maybe get a goal scorer or, get somebody on that back end to help sure up the blue line. Um, so I think that there there's a possibility there that they squeak it out and make playoffs. If they do get in, mm-hmm. I don't, um, I don't see them winning a series. Cause like I said, no, this just is not a team that does anything. Well, even special teams, like you pointed out, you know, they're not like an elite PK team. They're not an elite power play team. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. there's not something there that you can hang your hat on and say they do this really well. And that's that's the opposite of Sabres because, like I already said, you know, you can definitely hang your hat on the fact that they are a great offensive unit and they can score enough goals to be competitive pretty much against anyone when that offense is really firing on all cylinders. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Tate Thompson's been elite this year. Rasmus Dahlin is a Norris finalist uh, contender, I'd say for sure. The Red Wings, you know, when you look at their stats, it's basically just Dylan Larkin. And then after there's a massive fall off to guys like – um. Dominic Kubelik, David Perron. Uh, Raymond was doing pretty good, but, you know, obviously he's missed a couple games this season, not too many, but he's still young. He's still developing. I think when I look the say or the, the Red Wings, Garth, personally, I think they could use another center. Like, I think Andrew Kopp is good, but I don't know if he's a guy I'd want to be giving almost 18 minutes a night. He, You know, when he's just a 40-45 point guy, I think and then that's kind of his limit. Uh, their wingers are okay, especially, you know, once Raymond is firing on all cylinders. Sider, obviously, you know, I do like him. And uh, Philip Peronic has actually been pretty good on, on defense for him this year as well, Garth. Huso has kind of stood on his head a lot this year. I mean, the defense has not been great, like I said. They don't do anything particularly great. So I probably have to agree with you. I mean, they do have 6.2 million cap space. So if they do want to make a move, they they could try and do something. I just don't think they have enough uh, to compete the East Guard. Like, at least with the Sabres, right, you can say if their offense gets hot in the playoffs, they can, you know, score pretty much at will. I don't really see that kind of identity with the Red Wings. I think they're they're very – they're more one-dimensional of a team, I'd say. Ray saying the Dylan Larkin situation is interesting, that it is. The Sabres easily, since they have a top eight-point score coming back. And Ray says if you want to compete in the East right now – Unless you're Boston, you have to make a move to get better. I mean, yeah, if your team like if your team like the Red Wings or honestly most of the wildcard teams, uh, you, you don't want to be playing a team like Boston or Carolina or 
even the way the Devils have been playing. I mean, they they just you know they they had that incredible start, then they kind of tailed off a little bit, and then they're just like they're right back to winning again, which I don't think a lot of people expect. I thought they'd be a team a lot of people thought would fall off, but they haven't. Uh, your Lightning. Um, I got to even throw the Leafs in there now with some of the moves they made, which we'll get into a little bit later. I really like what the Leafs did at the deadline. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get right into that, Garth. This time for our third period segment, which is about trade talk. Uh, we have two segments here. One is really massive. The other one's kind of just like much shorter. So we're going to start with this one. Uh, this massive three-team trade, which involved the Toronto Maple Leafs, the St. Louis Blues, and the Minnesota Wild. It started uh, with O'Reilly being traded to the Wild for Josh Pilar. Um, and, and then he was then flipped again to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for a four-round pick in 2025. Uh, we all know what O'Reilly's MO is. He's a defensive first center. He's a Selkie winner. He's a guy that has consistently finished high in Selkie voting, even if he's only won it once. Excellent face-off guy. Career around 52% face-offs. But you have to remember, Garth, that, that's weighed down heavily by his first couple years in the league. Uh, you're talking the past five years. This is a guy that is more like a 55 to 60% uh, face-off winner. Con Smythe winners, playoff MVP for the Blues back when they beat the Boston Boston Bruins in the finals. Uh, they all, The Leafs also got Nola Chari, uh, who should probably go in their fourth line. Uh, and they also got back Pilar as well from the Blues. And they gave up Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet. A 2023 first, Ottawa's third rounder in 2023, and a second rounder in 2024. Um, I'll start this one here off, Garth. I really love what the Leafs did here. Getting in, you know, two centers. What have we always said is one of the biggest keys in the playoffs, right? Center depth. Um, you know, I think that's it's at least as important as goal, good goaltending, if not more. Because, first of all, center is the most important position at, at hockey. If you have franchise centers, I mean, th- think of guys like Crosby. Your guy Stamkos, McDavid, you can score on anybody. And when we get to the playoffs, toughness is important. It has a place, but this is where talent really starts to shine through. You need guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. And, you know, I think, first of all, you have Matthews. We all know what he can do. Okay, maybe he hasn't exactly been what we thought he would be this year. But, you know, he's still a guy that will probably score 35, 40 goals, and that's considered a down year by his standards. You still have Marner there. You still have Nylander. And then you add in um, Ryan O'Reilly to that center core. You get, you know, Noah Chari on your bottom six. John Tavares is still there as well. Once again, Garth, this is the thing I always say with the Leafs. It's never been a question about talent. It's their mentality. Well, they got a guy on Ryan O'Reilly, Garth, that has the perfect mentality. I mean, this is a guy that has shown he can, you know, be – a playoff level MVP went in the con Smythe consistently in the playoffs. He was, you know, with the avalanche for quite a while when they were making the playoffs here and there, obviously he's been with the blues the past few seasons and they've been consistently competitive. And I will say Garth, I think we called this last week. Uh, we said the, the blues were waving the white flag on the year. And what do you know, just, you know, a couple days later, O'Reilly shipped out and he ends up with the Maple Leafs. Uh, we'll see what happens with the blues rebuild. I think they did the right thing trading these guys, don't know if they quite got enough back, in my opinion, but that that's a question for another day. But for the Leafs, I really like what they did. I, you know, getting some depth. That's what they've always kind of lacked in the past few seasons. They've had the superstar talent. It's just been a question of secondary scoring, defense, and obviously goaltending. Uh, so what are your thoughts on O'Reilly getting traded to the Maple Leafs? Well, it definitely uh, is kind of the, the final white flag 
uh, thrown in that the, the Blues are rebuilt. Um, and they've got some young pieces there that I really like, like Jordan Cairo, to start building around. But uh, I think it'll be a little bit before they're, you know, a top contender there in the Western Conference again. Um, and then secondly, what a deal by the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, you land Ryan O'Reilly, like you said, one of the best defensive-minded centers in the NHL, a guy with a ton of playoff experience, uh, known really well for being a, a good leader, locker room presence, exactly what a team who can't get over the hump in postseason play needs, in my opinion. Um, and then, like you said, what a forward group the Toronto Maple Leafs have, and it pains me to say it because it's basically like a 99% chance that that's going to be our first-round matchup. It really just comes down to yeah. who's going to finish as second seed, who's going to finish as third and have home ice advantage. Um, hopefully us, but who knows? Uh, and then, you know, the other thing, too, that I noticed with this trade, uh, Noah, is the fact that, you know, at least for me personally, I don't know how much attention people are paying to this, but a lot of people were saying that, like, Ryan O'Reilly was injured. You know, he was kind of, like, beat up, not 100%. Um, he goes to Toronto, and he looks 100% right away. Like, the dude's out on the ice going full bore. He's mm -hmm. enjoying himself. He's joking around. He spraying bio steel instead of water on himself by mistake <laughs> because he's not used to how like the maple leaves uh color code and lay out their bottles on the bench uh so you know i don't i i think that was kind of just a a ploy there by the blues because they were dead set on dealing this guy um and instead of just saying coming out and saying that because of how hockey is they kind of like to keep things um you know their cards close to their chest until they actually deal them I think that that's really what that was and not so much that this guy actually wasn't a hundred percent. But yeah, what a four year. No, you listed off a lot of guys that are Marner, Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares. Uh, and then you add in Ryan O'Reilly, Akari, you know, they, they just have so much scoring depth on this team now. And, you know, I didn't think that this is a team that was going to make a huge move like this because much like my Tampa Bay lightning, uh, they aren't exactly like, a uh, mm -hmm. huge surplus of uh, cap space and capital to try and make a move like that. And all they got to give up is a fourth. So, you know, yeah. it, it's crazy. I think they did a hell of a job uh, made out really, really well in this one. Um, you know, I, I'm not looking forward to facing them. I just hope we have home ice because in my opinion, we're going to need it. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've got faith in my Tampa Bay lightning. I've seen a, this team do a lot, but you know, I can't underestimate the competition. This Maple Leafs, team is really really good and i think that you know their goaltending has been good enough this season i think that was their one question mark so you know mm -hmm. they're going to be a tough outcome postseason for anybody i think a key for the least guard uh, they need to get matt murray and jake muzzin back healthy because like we said you know that's kind of you know their mo is you know when they get to the plows they struggle defending and goaltending wise uh, so if they can get those guys back that would really help. But, yeah, Garth, I'm looking at their cap space. And like you said, this is ridiculous. Uh, they have no cap space at all. They have $6.3 on LTIR, so they're almost at $89 million in cap. And yet, like you said, you know, they were still able to get it done. Uh, this team, it, it's just ridiculous how much talent they have. I mean, I'm kind of at the point, Garth, where, like, if they don't get out of the first round this year, like, my God, th this is the year to do it. You got Nylander Marner, Matthews, who, like I said, you know, maybe having a down year by his standards, but former 60-goal scorer, we know what he can do. Devaraz, you know, his contract is terrible, so I think people kind of underrate him a bit. He's still point per game this year. 
I didn't even mention Bunting, who you brought up. I, you know, he's a pretty he solid. Was really he was a guy who stood out to me last year mm -hmm. when we played them. They got, you know, Robbie on the blue line. I guess, you know, just my main question is, uh, you know, what are Samsonov or Murray going to do in the playoffs? I, I'm not too sure about that. But, you know, I do think if they do play your Lightning again, which, you know, like you said, I, I think it's pretty much a guarantee. It's just a matter of who's going to have home eyes. I think it'd be a lot tougher this year. I think they they could beat you. I'm not going to say they will beat you because, you know, never going to count you guys out on that one. But with how much talent, like, it's kind of like, you know, the Bucks got to stop somewhere, right? Like, eventually you got to put up or shut up, get those excuses out of the way. And I think they got a great leader. I think that helps you with, the, you know, that mentality thing we were talking about. This is a guy that's seen it all. He's a veteran, very good player. And like you said, I just – I don't know what happened with St. Louis. Like, they just fell off a cliff this year. And like you said, his mentality wasn't in the right place. I don't know how bad the injury was. I mean, clearly it wasn't too bad, you know, because I heard it was going to go about a week or two longer than it did. And what do you know? He comes back. He's traded to Maple Leafs. And then, you know, I was looking up his stats, Garth, and his first two games of the Maple Leafs, he's won 76% of his face-offs. So whatever the heck was, you know, apparently bothering him uh, doesn't seem to be affecting him too much because he's already making an impact. And I think he's a guy that any offense he gives you is a bonus. He's a guy out that you want to put out there for that big defensive zone face-off when the, when the game is, is close. Make those defensive plays that you need to keep it a tight game keep a tight lead, if you will. Any goals he puts in or whatever, it's just a nice addition. But he's a defense-first guy, stud face-off winner. And like I said, I, I think that's crucial in the playoffs. Now, I will say, obviously, there was the thing last year where, you know, the, the last four finals, none of them were good face-off teams. But, like, at the same time, I think you can also admit it's very logical to say you, you would prefer your center to be a good face-off taker than a bad one. I mean, I just think that's kind I of obvious. I think the thing with that too, Noah, that I noticed is like, yes, those last four teams as a team overall weren't the best in terms of faceoff percentage, mm -hmm. but each team had that one really dependable guy. Like I know for us, it's been Anthony Sorelli. Every postseason run, that dude is phenomenal. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the, the same type. I don't want to say they're the same exact player, but they definitely have similar skill sets. Uh, so I think that he's kind of going to be that role for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's going to win faceoffs. He's going to be a guy you can throw out there against the opposing team's top line mm. and just make life miserable on them. Um, you know, just make things really, really hard. And whenever you get an opposing team's top line kind mm. of flustered, out of rhythm, off their game, that really helps. And that's that's the kind of uh, game and kind of contributions you're going to get out of this guy. Yeah, because, you know, like you said, those those four finest teams, they all still had that, for, you know, superstar center. You had guys like McKinnon, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, you know, Stamkos and Sorelli for you guys. And then on the Rangers, you have Zibanejad. You know, they all have that one guy that you can point to and say, that's their guy that's going to come up with a big moment. And now when you look at, at the Leafs, they got Matthews, Tavares, and O'Reilly, and Ochari. I believe Ochari is a, a, a center as well. So if he's your fourth line center, uh, you're doing something right uh, because, you know, I think he's a pretty solid depth guy as well. But, yeah, you know, as much as I love to troll the Leafs, Garth, I got to say I was pretty impressed with what they did. It's kind of maybe a bit of a hot take. I'm just going to throw this out here. I, I think this move might be more meaningful than the uh, Tarasenko to the Rangers move because center is a more important position uh, than winger is. Now, does 
is it so good that I, like I said, uh, I'll put you, the Leafs so far ahead of your Lightning? Probably not. I see that kind of as it currently stands, kind of a dead heat series. I think that'd probably be the best of the first round. Wait, uh, we still have moves to make of our own as well to hopefully that's true. Up, uh, even the odds. No, definitely. You guys uh, can make some moves as well. Uh, Ray saying, screw the entire trade market with all they gave up. And a lot of chatter today about the Blues flipping those two firsts for Timo. I don't think that's going to happen, and here's why. Timo is a guy that wants to win now, right? He's not a guy that wants to go to a rebuilding team. The Blues have clearly said, you know, they're selling the season pretty much. So why would they trade, you know, two firsts, which, you know, big draft capital for a team that looks like they're going into rebuild. Uh, for, you know, a player that his contract is up in the summer. Yes, he's an RFA, so you're not going to lose him for nothing. I don't know. I just I don't think they're going to give that up. I think they're yeah, they're they're committed. I, I agree with you, Noah. You know, like you said, Timo's a guy who wants to win now. He wants to go to a team that's a playoff contender. Um, and like you said, you know, they're they're in rebuild mode. They're trying to build draft capital, uh, not trade it away for one player. And you know, Timo, fantastic player, uh, but I, I don't think that that's the move to make as a rebuilding team. You know, like you bring in one great forward, but overall, how much does that help your team, especially at the cost of two first round picks? Moving on to the next trade. Uh, this is definitely one that's probably not as newsworthy, but I think it's important to note. And that's the the Rangers are still making moves, Garth. You know, I think it was John that mentioned earlier, trading a Julian Gauthier as well as a conditional pick. I'm not reading out all those conditions. You can read them out for yourself. I freaking hate conditional picks and all their 50 million conditions. But they traded those guys to the Ottawa Centers in exchange for Tyler Mod. Obviously, Garth, this is a guy that was on the Rangers last season, you know, during their playoff run. Solid, you know, Bottom six guy probably fits in perfectly on their fourth line. And you can play a bit of center, you can play a bit of wing. He kind of just do a, do a little bit of everything. He's not a guy that's going to put up, you know, phenomenal scoring numbers, but he's pretty good defensively. Um, so you know, I will say this: you know, even if this isn't a very newsworthy trade, I do like it for the Rangers, and here's why: I think they got all their major needs that they wanted. They wanted a top six forward. They got Tarasenko. They wanted a third-line uh, defenseman. They got that Mikola guy from the Blues as well. They wanted a fourth-line winger. They got Tyler Mott back. And I think the, the good thing for the Rangers is they basically didn't give up, give up anything. Gauthier did not work out at all for the Rangers. He, you know, younger guy uh, when he came in there, but ever since then just kind of tailed off. I honestly completely forgot about him until, until I saw this trade. And this was a guy that a couple years back, I think he was on the Leafs at one point as well, I was kind of considered a promising guy. But it never worked out. They gave up conditional pick. Okay, that you know that means nothing if you're a team like the Rangers. That's contending now. The one thing I would say I wouldn't like about this trade as a Rangers fan is that this is a guy they let go out of free agency, and they just had to trade back for him. And even though they didn't give up a lot, um, maybe they, they would have just preferred to try and keep him. Last season, granted, I don't know the whole situation. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe he wanted more than they were willing to offer. But regardless, he is back. And I think for the Rangers – they pretty much got everything that they want. I think they could still try for another move. I mean, you know, our good buddy Brian Tardis mentioned that it's not it's not quite dead on Kane yet. I mean, he did score a hat trick against the Leafs a couple of days ago, funnily enough, uh, which was pretty remarkable. But um, no, I like where the Rangers are at. I think you know they're third in the Metro. They're in a solid position. Um, they're trying to chase the Devils and the Hurricanes. But the thing I'll say about those teams. Uh, they're still winning. It's not like those teams are falling off a cliff. And the Rangers have lost two games now. They lost in OT. 
to the Flames, I believe it was. And then obviously last night, they absolutely dominated the Jets, but Hellbook just absolutely stood on his head, and Igor had a very off game for his standards. There was only like 18 shots, and he gave up three or four goals. So, But, you know, we all know that that's an outlier for Igor. He's an absolute stud. Uh, what do you think of this trade for the Rangers, Garth? Love it. I think it's a really good deal. Like you said, it's not a big like headline type of deal. It's not sexy. It's not something that everybody's talking about. But, you know, they bring in a guy who's familiar with the team. He was just here a season ago, big part of that playoff run. So the chemistry is already there with the locker room. The continuity is already there. You know, he knows how these guys play. He he can slide right into the lineup. There's not going to be a break-in period where it takes like two or three weeks to figure out where in the lineup he is, get him, you know, gelling with his line mates, none of that, just plug and play type of type of guy because of the circumstances. Um, and like you said, they gave up basically nothing. You know, they traded a guy who unfortunately has not panned out. Hope at some point in his career he does, but up to this point he hasn't. Um, and, you know, what this reminds me of, Noah, personally, is uh, not last season, but the season before when the Tampa Bay Lightning placed Tyler Johnson on waivers. Nobody mm-hmm. claimed him. They brought him back, and he ended up having a huge uh, playoff performance that that postseason to help us win that yeah. cup. So, you know, I think it's a really good move by them, uh, and you know, not not a sexy move, but a really good move by the New York Rangers. Like you said, they kind of addressed everything they needed, and you know, now they just need to win. Speaking of the Rangers, we have one of our resident Rangers fans coming in. Our good buddy Tom Scavetta saying, "Hey guys, I'm here." Had an unexpected day, but love to see you both on tonight. Always a joy to be on. Uh, this will be a little bit of a shorter show. We don't have a ton to talk about. Um, but that said, I think we're going to make it up for our next few shows because, man, the trade deadline is just going to be. Deadline. And not only that, playoffs are getting ever so close. I cannot wait. But, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for uh, finding the time to tune in, Tom. We love you, old boy. Absolutely. Our good buddy Brad Mangold saying, man, the Oilers lost two games blowing big leads. Well, you know, I'm a Pens fan, Brad, so I can't exactly, you know, troll you too much on that one. But <laughs> you will, we'll see yeah, what they do come playoffs. Uh, <laughs> Ray's saying the Sharks can send them wherever they want. If they have the best offer, why wouldn't they send them there? No, I agree. I absolutely think the, the Sharks are still going to trade them. It's just the other side. Why would it, why would the Blues, who look like they're going into a rebuild, trade two first for them? You know what I mean? I, I don't think that makes a, a lot of sense just for one player. Uh, Brad saying uh, the Oilers need to improve their D. Um, yeah, their their D is, is definitely coming up short lately. The past few years, I feel like that's been the uh, topic there in Edmonton since the days of Grant Fuhrer and and Messier have passed. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, kind no. of the reoccurring theme. You count on the Oilers to have good forwards. Outside of that, are they going to put on the ice? Yeah, no, it, it's like the it's like the Maple Leafs and Oilers are like distant cousins with how similar their teams are in that regard. But uh, yeah, no solid move, underrated move. You know, it's a like you said, Garth. It's not a, a, a trade that's going to fly off the sheet as like a blockbuster. But you know, like we said, when it comes to the playoffs, sometimes it's just, it's that depth guy that you know third or fourth liner that makes the biggest play you never expect. Just ask Ross Colton, as you know very well. So, and, and I'll say firsthand, Noah. A lot of people, rightfully so, pay attention to stats like goals, assists, points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially come playoff hockey, there is so much more to the game than just scoring goals or or having assists. You know, those guys who are physical, play with grit, kind of get momentum going back in mm-hmm. your favor. You know, make a big hit, 
make a big steal that ends to some offensive zone time, you know, that can be just as good, if not better, a lot of times than just like a single goal or a single assist. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's not a lot of trade rumors this week. We're going to do one. It's not a Zach blockbuster, but it is a player I've heard the Bruins are interested in. Um, Blue Jackets defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov has been linked to the Boston Bruins in trade talks. He is a 27-year-old defenseman who is an unrestricted free agent after the season. He's making $2.8 million, uh this year. He currently has 10 points in 52 games played for Columbus this season. And career-wise, he has 73 points in 250 games played. Uh, Garth, I'm just going to go out there and say it. I think this is a guy that Boston's looking at as a top-six defenseman. Not going to be anything more than that. Just, you know, a solid depth guy. He's cheap, you know, like I said, less than $3 million on his contract. He's a UFA, so he's probably going to walk in the offseason. I think it's a guy that's a pure rental. But, you know, I have heard Boston heavily linked to him. I, I was reading an article today, you know, one of the one of the prominent hockey writers, I can't remember who it was, kind of kind of listing off uh, potential prospects that they think that the Blue Jackets could be interesting. Because obviously we all know uh, the Blue Jackets this season have been an absolute disaster. They're going for Connor Bedard. Um, so, you know, they kind of just want to solve anything they can uh, to get anything back that they can. And Gavrikov, you know, he could be a, a decent top six defenseman. Once again, it's kind of like Tyra Mod. It's not a guy that will pop off the sheet for you. But, you know, like we said, you know, when it comes to plows, defensive depth is sometimes key. Yeah, all, all I know, Noah, is the Boston Bruins better make a trade deadline move because I feel like uh, every day I'm seeing them linked to being in talks or considering making a move for a, some player. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of, kind of like our good buddy Dave with free agency and the Saints. It seems like every <laughs> single player that, that's either going to be traded, potentially could be traded, they're all going to Boston. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully for the sake of the rumors, even if it's not, uh Gavrikov hopefully they land somebody yeah I agree our good buddy Hank and Dick are coming in Hank you just missed it you just missed the Tyler Mott segment I'm sorry bro you're gonna have to go back and watch that one what's up my guys not much man we're just you know talking the trades that went down over the past week uh we talked about the Sabres and Red Wings what we think about where they are at and now you know now we're talking about a a trade rumor uh that we (laughs) I think we'll have a lot more trade rumors next week um, as well, it'll be the, the last week before the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens then. Then I'm honestly, Garth, I'm kind of surprised that our streak of massive major hockey news breaking on the day of our show didn't happen when, when we're so close to the trade deadline. But it'll probably happen next week. So I've got to be ready for that. But moving on to our next segment, this will just kind of be rapid fire. We're just going to go through some uh, quick injury report uh, updates. There's been a lot of key things that have been coming out over the past few days. And we'll start with this one because I think this is the one that could have the biggest impact on the wildcard race. Uh, Matt Barzell is expected to be out indefinitely for the Islanders. You know, I was reading a quote from him from one of their insiders a few days ago. They're hoping he can come back before the end of the season, but um, it's not looking too great. This is, you know, one of their top offensive weapons. They still do have some guys, but, you know, like I said earlier, I don't know if the I still don't know what to think of the Islanders. You know, they did have that really great season a few years ago where they went to the conference finals, lost to you guys in a close one. Last season they were kind of mediocre, but they weren't absolutely terrible. And this season, I think they're kind of the same thing. It's just that teams have given them opportunities when you wouldn't inspect. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Penns lost two games to them. And those are the two playoff teams, you know, just giving up 
you know, pretty easy points, especially one of those games they definitely should have won. The second one, they kind of, you know, they just, I don't even, Midsburg, like I said, that, that's all I'll say. I won't go on a rant, but, you know, we, we gave them some good opportunities, and they're still in that first wildcard spot, but like I said, I believe they have 60 games played. Teams like the Sabres and Red Wings have multiple games in hand. Bought, or, uh, Pittsburgh's still right behind them. Florida's still right there if they can get going. Uh, like I said, Washington is probably the lowest team that I could say still has a shot at the playoffs. I think the Senators are a little too far behind at this point. Even though they have been playing great recently, I think they're going to have to go on some insane run to get back in contention. But for the Islanders, you know, this isn't good, Garth, because I think, you know, as a team, you should always be focused on looking on who's ahead of you. But now with a, you know, a team like the Islanders losing bars all, they got to be looking over their shoulders, man, and saying, you know, there's about five teams that are right behind us trying to get in the playoffs. And we lost one of our best offensive weapons for the, probably the rest of the regular season. Yeah, huge loss for them. Obviously, Matthew Barzal, um, at least in my opinion, the best offensive weapon that they have on that team and has been for quite a few seasons, really, as he, you know, been phenomenal since he came into the league as a rookie. Um you know, collectively, the team's got to step up. A guy that you brought in already, Bo Horvat, he's got to, you know, yeah. play at a high level for them. Some, you know, they got to come together and kind of make up for the lack of offense that they're now going to have with Barzal out. And who knows? They might go out and make uh, another trade deadline move for a, you know, like a top six type of forward to maybe help bolster the offense. You know, try and make up for Matthew Barzal. Really, for me, it comes down to how, um, you know, how adamant is this team? Not really the players so much, because obviously they're not the ones in the front office making the moves. But mm-hmm. how adamant is this front office, this ownership uh, about making playoffs this year? You know, and how how do they feel their chances are to make playoffs? Because if they're like, well, you know, we'll just let the season play out. If we make playoffs, that's great. But if they feel like, hey, we have a good shot of making playoffs, and if we do make playoffs, we feel that we can be really competitive and potentially, you know, win some series. Then I don't see how they don't go out and make another move to try and make up for the lack of production with Matthew Barzal out. Um, mm-hmm. Will they actually make playoffs? I don't know. This this race in the East is is Tough. so tight. There's so many teams in the mix. Um, if I had to bet on the Isles, I don't know. Uh, you know. I don't want to fully count them out and say, no, they're not going to make it in. But, you know, it's not going to come easy, especially with Barzal out. Um, huge, huge loss, like I said, Noah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do go ahead and try to make another big trade deadline move or not. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at the forward core as it stands right now, Guard. They still have Brock Nelson, who's roughly point per game this season. He did make the all-star game as the Islanders representative. So he's had a good year. After that, Anders Lee has 41 points in 60 games, 22 goals. He's serviceable. But then after that, Garth, because Pajot is also injured, they traded Beauvillier. Uh, their third-leading active uh, point scorer forward, as it is currently, is Zach Parise, who is 38 years old and has 24 points in 60 games. Josh Bailey is next, who's 33, 21 points in 54 games. It's just a massive fall-off, I think, without Barzell. It's just Nelson, Lee, and then you know, basically a bunch of, you know, hacks and plugs in there pretty much. Uh, and like you said, if the East wasn't so tough, I think they'd be able to manage it because they still have Sorokin, who's obviously an absolute animal in net. But because there's so many teams right on their heels with games in hand as well, 
I'm not too confident that the Islanders will make the playoffs personally. I know that, you know, look, they steamrolled the Penguins. Congratulations to them. Uh, but the Penguins also stink. So I don't think that's representative of what will happen for the rest of the season. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe Sorokin can stand on his head a bit and will in the playoffs. But if they do make the playoffs and they play a team, like I said, like a Boston or Carolina, I don't think it would be pretty. So we'll see what happens. So they'll have to find a way to manage without one of their best offensive weapons. Speaking of another team competing for a wild card, uh, this was supposedly good news until I saw him play last night and he got absolutely <laughs> boat raced. And that is Tristan Jari, uh, the goaltender of the Ping- Pittsburgh Penguins, returning from injury. And look, I know he had a bad game last week, but I'm, I'm still happy about this, Garth, and here's why. Uh, Casey DeSmith, let's just say, you know, I think he was great uh, before he got an injury in that Ranger series. But from what we've seen from him this year, there's a reason this guy is a career backup. He's very inconsistent. He can come in here and there and have a good game, but he's not a guy you want being your starter when your your guy goes down. That he, he really struggles with that, I think. And then Dustin Tagarski, uh, to put it nicely, uh, this guy should never play an NHL game again. He, he's just not quite there. I think he, he's an AHL-level goalie, and he's been playing hockey. He's probably like 33 years old at this point, so it's not like there's even any point to keeping him for youth or anything. So I do like that Jerry's coming back, but like I said, um, Midsburg. Uh, this team is going to probably make it as a second wild card, and then they're going to lose to the Boston Bruins in zero games because the game will the the series will be over by the time of the first puck drop of the first period in game one. Uh, this team is not doing anything in the playoffs. Guard. They're they're way too inconsistent, man. Their defense is terrible most of the time. They just don't have any toughness. I think that's the problem. And you know, look, like I've always said, I think toughness is becoming less important in hockey. But you still need a little bit. Like, this team just has no spine, dude. Like, teams just run over them. And then they get their confidence knocked and whatnot. They can't get back in the game. Or when they do have a lead, they they blow the leads like they did in that first Islander game, which is completely unacceptable. They had a game earlier this year against the Bruins or something where they're up like 4 nothing and lost it as well. Like, this team just cannot hold leads, man. Obviously, they did in the Rangers playoff series as well. And what did the Pins do? They re-signed everybody. They didn't try and go in a different direction. Didn't try and save cap space, maybe sign some new guys. Nope. Let's sign Malkin until he's 40 and Latang until he's 41 because that's worked out phenomenally the last couple of years. Haven't won a playoff series since 2018, um, which, you know, they did lose the Capitals this year, who, that year who won the Stanley Cup. Uh, what have they done since then? They got swept by the Islanders in 2019. They lost the Montreal friggin' Canadians in, in the round robin, not even the year they went to the Stanley Cup. Uh, they lost the Islanders again, and then last year they blow a 3-1 lead to the Rangers. It's just an absolute disaster. So, uh, Tristan Jari, glad you're back, but uh, man, it's just depressing. Uh, it, one thing's for sure. They can't say that the Pittsburgh Penguins don't have a retirement plan in place because obviously they do. Oh, man. Hey, if you're an old guy and you want to play for the Penguins, you're set. You got your 401k ready. You got your your life insurance. Everything is set, man. You, you you'll be you'll be ready. I'm surprised they didn't trade it. Haven't traded a second round pick for a guy like Zach Parise yet. That's a perfect player for the Penguins right now. But um, yeah, no, it, it is what it is. Um, another little thing. This isn't you know major. Um, Timo Meyer is currently day to day, so he'll probably come back soon. And then, like I said, uh, I think he will get traded because the Sharks are clearly selling. We'll see what they do with Eric Carlson as well. By the way, can I just say real quick, Garth, uh, that video we did on uh, Carlson and Chitrin absolutely blew up on YouTube. It has like 150 views or something. So 
Clearly, people enjoyed what we were talking about, so we'll see if yeah, they enjoy. See. And hopefully, as the deadline approaches and the uh, kind of the heat really turns up for guys like Meyer and and potentially Carlson, Patrick Kane, obviously, uh, you know, I feel like people will be excited to tune into that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, another one, Gabriel Landeskog, the Avalanche captain, currently back skating, so. Huge, huge addition for them if they get him back healthy at 100%. Yeah. Uh, I know all too well, you know, how huge he was to that cup run last season. Um, you know, and the one thing we've said about them all season long on this show is they still are one of the most talented teams in the NHL. They're still very capable of making a deep playoff run. They've just been severely hindered by uh, kind of an injury plague all season long. Yeah, no, I mean, I still think when they're healthy, they're one of the most talented teams in the league. It's just like you said, it seems like they've had 10 people on their injury list the whole friggin' year. I mean, they're way better than, you know, being a, just competing for division spots. I think they should be winning that division, but like you said, they've been crippled. So to get a guy like Landis Gog back, very good player. He's their captain. He's one of the, you know, you know leader, whatnot. Uh, he's veteran. He's been there forever. He's been there since 2011. Uh, very good move. Very good uh, addition back for them. And I think it'll help them a lot. And the last one, uh, funny enough, also about the Avalanche, it wasn't intention that I put those back to back, but Kale McCarr expected to be out a couple games until this 27th. He suffered a concussion. Uh, hopefully it's not too serious and he uh, comes back firing in all cylinders. Yeah, unfortunately for them, that is another guy that's kind of been in and out of the lineup all season with. You know, kind of just not really anything too serious, but just minor injuries that keep, you know, plaguing him and keeping him out of the lineup. Well, that's going to do it for our injury uh, segment. Uh, we just want to do some rapid fire there. Obviously, there's a lot more. I saw Troy Terry went on IR, I believe, this week. But uh, unfortunately for him, that might be good. He can get an early vacation because the Ducks are going <laughs> to, let's just say, it's not been a great year for them. Um, but, yeah, uh, now it's time for our final segment of the show our favorite, uh, Team of the Week. Uh, this one, I don't know about you, Garth, but me personally, I think this is one of the easiest Team of the Weeks I've ever done. Like, there were some guys that came close, but for the most part, it, it was pretty consensus. It wasn't like some weeks where we had, like, three or four guys that could could go in for any of the spots. This one, I think, was pretty clear-cut. So we'll start with yours uh, for this week. You have Elias Peterson, Nathan McKinnon of those Colorado Ambulance, Kevin Fiala, Charlie McAvoy, Roman Yossi, and of all people, Garth, Connor Ingram. Doesn't even have the correct jersey on in the photo. This is the most recent photo of him on ESPN.com in a Predators jersey when he plays for the Coyotes. But he's on your team of the week. I don't want to Patty Kane, who did have that hat trick against the Leafs. Adam Boakfus and Linus Olmark, who had a phenomenal week once again. So, Garth, go ahead and take us through it. Why did you select these six players for your team of the week? Yeah, like you said, Noah, this is one of the easier weeks because – you know, it, it seemed like every position group, there was that clear cut, you know, with the defenseman, top two guys with the forward group, top three, maybe like a fourth guy. Like for me, it was really hard to choose on my third guy between Patrick Kane and one of these other two guys. But outside of that, you know, it wasn't really a massive struggle to put this list together this week. I will say one thing that was weird and definitely kind of uh, gave me a different aspect to look at when making this list is it was really a weird week in terms of games played because you had a lot of players who played four games and then you had some players who only played two. So, you know, a common trend you'll see with my list here tonight, Noah, is that I I definitely had to give some benefit of the doubt to the guys who played fewer games and still produced really well 
Um, but yeah, first and foremost, Nathan McKinnon, he was like the surefire lock. As soon as I started putting together my list, four games played three goals, six assists, nine total points. He looked really good against us. Uh, and then also for a team that's been really, really banged up on the blue line defensemen's that's a group that's been decimated with injury for that Colorado avalanche team to have a plus minus of six. Um, he was pretty solid. Like you said earlier in the show on the face off as well. Um, so he was that surefire lock. He was going to be on my list no matter what. Uh, also up there of the Vancouver Canucks, sadly, uh, Elias Pedersen. This was one of the guys who only had two games played, but in those two games, he had two goals, five assists for seven points in two games, guys. That's a little bit over three points per game. That's absolutely insane, um, especially given that he was kind of right in the, the run of the mill for time on ice. Like he didn't play. Uh, you know, a really low side of minutes, but he also wasn't up there with McKinnon who averaged 23 minutes uh, per night. So, you know, a lot of production, not as many games played as everybody else on the list. So that's why I kind of gave him a nod there. Uh, and then to wrap it up, like I said, the third spot was really, really tough for me. Um, in hindsight, I think I might've rather have put Patrick Kane because he did have that hat trick. Uh, but for me, you know, Kevin Fiala, again, another guy who only played two games, three goals, three assists, six points. Uh, so another guy who produced really, really well, um, three points per game, you know, was hard to hard to leave him off the list. Moving on to the defenseman, a guy who's been great all season and a huge part of why the Boston Bruins have been playing so well and winning a lot of games, Charlie McAvoy. Uh, really solid week for him. And, you know, that whole Boston Bruins team as a whole, honestly, they they seem to never <laughs> slow down or refuse to lose any games. Um, you know, he was really, really good for them. Oh, I just lost my stats here real quick. Bear with me, guys. Um, you know, four games played. Didn't have any goals. Seven assists, though. He was kind of the point guard of that team, if you will. Plus minus of four. Uh, uh, did block hits as well. I don't see the exact thing with him. Uh, three games played, two goals, three assists, five points. Uh, and he also had, um, you know, was right up there in block shots and hits as well. So, both of these guys doing a little bit of everything both ends of the ice, playing good on the blue line, pitching in offensively. You know, that's a huge, huge plus when you have solid two-way defensemen. We've seen how huge it's been in the NHL in recent years. Uh, obviously, a guy who just did it to a huge extent, Kale McCarr last year, the reigning Norris Trophy winner. Uh, but to wrap it up, guys, in net, and this is a guy that I saw firsthand, very, 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 very frustrating night for me as a Tampa Bay Lightning fan because we honestly had this dude under siege the entire night we dominated the game start to finish but because this guy was so phenomenal in that it did not matter uh you know he had three games played uh two wins 0.68 goals against average 981 save percentage 104 saves on 106 shots faced and i want to say we put up something ridiculous like 47 shots against this man shut out 
only let up one goal in the shootout as well. No goals in overtime, obviously. Uh, just huge, huge week for him on a struggling Arizona Coyotes team. Uh, and then again, shout out to honorable mentions, Patrick Kane with the hat trick against the Maple Leafs helped us majorly by taking them down. Boquist, another guy like McAvoy and Rossi, who did a little bit of everything. And then Linus Allmark, like he said, no, who just every week seems like he's right in the mix because he's been playing phenomenal all season long. Yeah, no, that definitely some solid choices. And, uh, you know, let's just cut the chase go at that. I think you saved me a lot of time because our teams are pretty much identical. Uh, this is probably the closest we've ever been having the exact same team. Uh, it's going to happen someday, I'm sure, but uh, we just missed out on this week. So I'll go ahead and put mine up for this week. Uh, like I said, it's pretty much the same. Uh, literally just the the color in one ch uh, player changed. Uh, but I have Elias Pettersson, Nathan McKinnon, Kevin Fiala, Charlie McAvoy. I got Rasmus Sandin at my second defenseman spot instead of Roman Yossi. I'll explain why in a minute. And Connor Ingram in net. Honorable mentions Patrick Kane, Roman Yossi, Linus Allmark. So I'll go ahead and run through why I chose these guys. It's probably just going to be repeating pretty much a lot of what you said, Garth. I'll start with McKinnon. Like you said, he was my first first guy on the team sheet, pretty much. The most obvious choice. League leading nine points in four games. He had one game-winning goal. He also was tied for leading all forwards with a plus-six mark. And he led all forwards as well, Garth, in shots. He had 28 shots over the course of the week. So this guy was absolutely peppering goaltenders. Goal I mean, you think about seven shots on goal per game. Uh, he just <laughs> absolutely committed to laying the puck on the net, and clearly it was very effective for him because he led the NHL in points for last week. Elias Pettersson, seven points in two games, Garth. It's just absolutely ridiculous. He was also a plus two, 33.3% shooting percentage, so he was highly effective as well. And you know what, Garth? You know, we, we typically focus more on offensive stats, but he did a great job on the faceoff dot as well, won 54.84% of his faceoffs. So doing a little bit of everything. On a middling Vancouver Canucks team, to say the least, he's still showing that he's an absolute superstar in the making. Kevin Fiala, six points in only two games, was just absolutely unbelievable this week. He was also a plus two. He was doing great on the power play as well. He had a power play goal and a power play assist um, over those past two games. 30% shooting percentage. And here's kind of a weird stat, Garth. Uh, points per 60 minutes. It basically factors in your time on ice to see how effective you are and how many points uh, you would score if you played the entire 60-minute game. And he led all forwards this week, Garth, with a 10.335 uh, points per 60 minutes ranking. So uh, pretty much uh, he did not have a lot of ice time, but he still put up six points in only two games, which is absolutely incredible. And why he edged out some tough competition. Uh, Kane was very deserving as well. The only reason I didn't put Kane in, uh, plain and simple, his stats were, from, his stats were similar overall but it, they came from four games instead of two. So I had to give the edge to Pedersen Fial on that one. McAvoy was obvious. Uh, he led all defensemen over the last week with seven points of four games. And he was also a plus four in guard, like you said. It uh, wasn't just offensive. He was doing great defensively as well. He had three sit hits and six block shots. So doing a little bit of everything for those league-leading Boston Bruins. Now, the one where I struggled... And this is why I say this is the closest we've got uh, to, to a unanimous selection here because I almost had Roman Yossi in here, but I ended up just barely giving it to rest with Sandine. This is one of the toughest decisions I've had all season. Uh, Sandine had four points in only two, uh, two games, so you have to consider uh, that's compared to Yossi who played more games. 
But his plus five mark, despite only playing two games, Garth was still third best for the week. The only two guys ahead of him were John Marino and Ryan Graves of the Devils, who first of all did it in four games. And obviously uh, the Devils are a pretty freaking good team. They had a great week as well. But the main reason I decided to give it to Yossi, Yossi had a little bit better stats overall, but the main reason I decided to give it to Sandine instead was that Sandine only did it on 18 minutes, 15 seconds time on ice, whereas Yossi, who had roughly similar stats, maybe a little better, uh, was doing it with 25 minutes time on ice per game. So I just decided to give an edge to Sandine because he did it in less minutes. And then Ingram was obvious. Uh, Omar had a phenomenal week. Like, my God, this has to be one of the best weeks you have to have to not be on the team of the week. But when you look at Ingram's stats, Garth, three games played, he had a 981 save percentage, 0.68 goals against average. He also did this while facing the second highest amount of shots over the past week. He faced 106 shots in three games, which is roughly equates to around 34 shots a game, 35 shots a game around there. Uh, the only guy who had more than him was Alex Georgiev of the Avalanche, who faced 118 shots in three games. He had a, I'm sorry to say this, Garth, he had a 47-save shutout against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we all know can you know put up offense with the best of them. He was also 23 for 23 against the Kings, who are a playoff team, pretty good team. And the only reason he didn't get a shutout for that game as well was because he only played 49 minutes in the game. So he was 11 minutes away, Garth, from having two shutouts in three games, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, and honorable mentions, like I said, Kane, Yossi, and Allmark, all very deserving, all barely missed out. Yeah, I think that's probably our closest team of the week. I mean, it seems like every week we have some similarities, uh, but to be only uh, one player off and then, you know, the play, the one player that we did differ on was in your honorable mentions as well. That's kind of crazy. And no, guys, we do not do any kind of, like, talking, nope. collaborating. We don't know each other's lists until we uh, send them to each other the day of to make the graphic. So, yep. yeah, that's really cool, Noah. Um, and, and a huge shout-out to Ingram. Fantastic week by that guy. Like you said, absolutely phenomenal. 47 save shutout. Like Insane. I said, I watched that game start to finish. It was frustrating because – we had him under siege the entire game. A lot of high, uh, high scoring percentage opportunities, and he just stopped everything. I think it was kind of a revenge game because that is a guy who used to be one of our prospects that we drafted. Mm -hmm. uh, but nonetheless, you know, frustrating in the moment as a Lightning fan, but still really cool to see him perform at that level with a bad uh, Arizona Coyotes team. You know, real quick, I forgot. Uh, let me go ahead and link the intro song in the video. Uh, shout out to No Copyright Sounds. Uh, they make great tracks like the one we put for our intro before our video intro video. Um, and the only thing they ask is that you link the uh, video in the description. So we'll go ahead and put that in the comments. But yeah, Garth, like he said, uh, we do not confer on these lists. The only reason I know Garth before the show is because I put the graphics together. Garth does no, not know my list at all until I put it up on the show. Uh, and like you said, we were 5 of 6 this week. Yossi was very close to making it unanimous. And I think I gotta be honest, Garth. I think eventually we will have an anonymous list. We came came close a few times, but uh, I think it'll it'll come pretty soon. On you know one of these weeks, that's a little bit easier. Obviously, most of them aren't that easy. There's a lot of guys that are usually very deserving, and there are a lot of deserving guys that missed out this week. But you know, I think the guys that did make it just absolutely went off to where um, you can't really knock anybody. The only ones that we differed on uh, was Yossi versus Sandine, and I think both were incredibly deserving. So. Yeah, uh, that's going to do it for our team of the week, and that's going to do it for another episode of the show. 
Um, like I said, a little bit of a shorter one, just a little bit over an hour for this one. Uh, we're going to make up for it the next two weeks, I'm sure, with with the trade deadline bonanza coming up. Uh, but real quick, Garth, before we do kind of wrap it up here for tonight, do you have anything you want to say before we uh, close it out here? Uh, just a huge shout-out again to everybody that tuned in tonight. Had a lot of comments, as always. You guys make the show so much more enjoyable. We love to interact with you guys. Uh, you guys help give us maybe different topics to discuss or a different perspective or maybe even something that we didn't even plan on discussing at all. And you get to hear our two cents on it for what it's worth. So, yeah, huge thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. Uh, had a lot of fun. Really, really excited for Hockey Knock because, like we've been saying, trade deadline almost here and playoffs almost here as well. And I cannot wait for Stanley Cup playoffs. I feel like ever since we uh, heartbreaking loss to the Colorado Avalanche, I've been ready for playoffs to resume and, and hopefully go on another run. But, you know, that's a story for another time. Uh, again, huge thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. And as always, uh, be sure to check out all the shows here on the Review and Preview Sports Network, not just me and all here on Puckin' Around, because there is every sport possible. We, we've got it all for you guys, hugely, that tuned in tonight. Yeah, no, a lot of shows are going on a break, but I think the Four Corners guys will be back next Monday with a show at 7 p.m. Eastern, so make sure to to check them out. One last comment coming in from Hank, uh, who's now on YouTube. Kane to the Rangers still a possibility? Yes, it is. I do think there's a possibility. I don't know for sure if it will happen, but uh, I definitely think it is still a possibility. As our good buddy Brian Attard said, it's not dead on Kane. So we'll see what happens there. But until next time, I'll be back next Tuesday with more uh, massive trade coverage. We'll see if any more blockbusters uh, come out until then. But until then, uh, this has been your host, Noah Dog Dibler, joined by my co-host and good buddy, Gar Charger Patrick. It's been another episode of Puckin' Around here on the Arabian Preview Sports Network. Uh, enjoy your hockey. Have a good one. And until then, keep pucking around. We'll see you next time.